Jesus, we love you. We want to talk to God now. God, we thank you so much for your power in us, power that's available to us to change, God. And I think about that song. I think about what people are feeling in the room and just knowing that on Father's Day, there are so many of us dads who, um, one, we feel our inadequacy or we know where we've failed or we see evidence of our humanity. And so, God, we, we feel sometimes pain over that. And so we just want to tell you today, we need you. We need you. We know that. And there are dads in our church, in our room, that have lost children. And Father's Day is so painful. They come to this moment knowing that this shouldn't be the way it is. And they feel that. And we just want to stand with them today and say, just as they say, they need you. We need you, God. Just as their dads that have children who are off rail like Matthew was. And uh, there's nothing that they can do uh, until their child hits bottom. Makes a choice for you. And we just continue to pray the, for your protection over them. Hopefully for that moment to come. God, I just know it's hard to be a dad in today's world. And there's so many uh, reasons why we'd want to take the easy way and we'd want to anesthetize ourselves through uh, sports or hobbies or substances or work or uh, other activities. God, just help us to turn to you and help us to stand up for what it means to be a dad, especially in our culture today. I pray today that every dad in this room, every dad watching online would be encouraged today and glad that they experience you and that they can know you and they can have hope in you. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. Just love it. If you'd have a seat, that'd be great. a little different than I anticipated starting today and some of the emotion and feelings uh, that came out, especially as we sang that song and just feeling the, the pain that people experience. But I just want to thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, especially as dads. I know that sometimes dads thinks they, come to, they think they come to church on Father's Day and, and we're a little rough on them, but you know what? Today is Holy Spirit, and he's going to speak, and he's going to work in all of you today, and I'm just so glad that you're here. I really want to thank those folks who brought their cars and motorcycles today uh, for us to lust over, and thank you, and be over. Uh, specifically, there's a guy right down here, his car is a Camaro down here at the end, and he asked me last week if he'd bring it, and I said, well, sure, why not? And he says, well, th you know, it's a 1969 Camaro, and it's original, and I've been the only owner. And I was thinking, his parents co-signed for it. And so I was just thinking about, you know, that, you know, every one of my cars, uh, when I got rid of them, you know, they were falling apart. And so they never made it to being able to keep. I was like, how did you do that? Anyway, it's just, I'm just so thankful that they're here. Thank you guys and gals for bringing your automobiles and motorcycles. And we want to do this again every year. And then I also thank the hot dog team for having hot dogs for us as well. That's awesome. It really helps with our cholesterol. 
so, okay, so if everybody just grab your message notes out of your program, it'd be wonderful, and we'll kick in here, and you're going to be able to follow along today. I think they'll be helpful, uh, and especially you're going to want to write down the, the four things I'm going to talk about in just a minute about encouragement, because you're, you need these. And so I just want you to have this ready when we get to that part. Have your Bible open to 1 Thessalonians 5. And so that'll be where we'll jump off today. And we're going to use lots of Bible verses today. So we'll be all over the different pages of the Bible. But the 1 Thessalonians is important. I want you to find out where it is and mark it because uh, later in a few weeks, we're going to start an entire series. We're going to go through the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians together. And so you'll want to know and familiar familiarize yourself with where it is. So right at the top of your notes is the theme verse for the series that we're in uh, on be known and be loved. And so it says this, it says, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And I'm going to ask you, let's read that again, but you read it with me. Okay, ready, go. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And that's what we're talking about in this series, that we all belong to each other and that God has made us part of a family. That's what a church is. It's a family. It's a body. And he's made each one of us to be a part, and we all belong as part of this body. And so what we're doing is we're looking at several statements made by Jesus Christ and other writers of the New Testament. And over 59 times, they say, or 59 times, they say that we should do this. There's an activity to one another. So we are to one another, one another throughout the pages of the New Testament, and we're looking at these one another's, and we're talking about how we can do that together as a family so that we can establish a place where people can feel welcome, so they know they can belong, a place where they can find a home, and a place where they can know and be known, where they can love and be loved, and I'll say the rest of it, serve and be served, and celebrate and be celebrated. And so in the first week, we talked about the fact that Jesus gives us the granddaddy of them all when he says that you are to love one another as I have loved you. And we said that day that the kind of the goal of the series is this, is that the bottom line is this, is that when love is shown, God is seen, and lives are changed. People are changed. So the whole idea is that. Every week we're talking about, so today it would be when encouragement is shown, God is seen, and people are changed. So we're looking at that as a process in this series together. And this series is designed to help us to know how to carry these out, how to do these one another's. And also, I think what you're learning, and we're learning as well, is that it's also about relationship skills, some things that we all need to know because none of us ever went to relationship school. We learned it through modeling, and sometimes that modeling wasn't the best it could be. And so we want to talk about this because we really want to create a place where people can know and be known. It's our, our deep, one of our deepest desires is to have that kind of place so that then God works in people and helps change lives. So 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Paul is writing, and he says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. That's part of encouragement, is to build each other up. And he says, just in fact, you are doing. So he's encouraging the Thessalonians. And when we get to the study in the book, in a few weeks, we're going to see that this is like a model church, okay? So they had things figured out, and they were doing really well at the things that God had led them to do. And so Paul was writing mainly to just say, way to go, way to go for all you're doing, that you're already doing this very well. And I want to begin with a quote about what it means to encourage one another. This is by Nikki Gumbel. Nikki Gumbel wrote the Alpha Course. Some of you may have been part of this at some point, uh, and it's about Christianity and understanding it if you are a skeptic. And he says this, encouragement is not flattery or empty praise. It is like verbal sunshine. Isn't that beautiful picture there? It is like verbal 
sunshine. I was thinking about the winter we've been through, the clouds and the rain, and how many of you I saw when we did get sunshine were so elated by that. Well, that's what encouragement is. It's verbal sunshine. It costs nothing, costs nothing, and warms other people's hearts and inspires them with hope and confidence. We're going to leave this up there for a little bit because I want to talk a little bit about what he said. First of all, he says, it's not flattery. Now, flattery is when you tell someone what they want to hear so they like you more. Okay, that's flattery. So I'm telling you what, you what I think you want to hear because I want you to like me more. And so the goal of that is not to build you up, it's to actually build me up in your eyes. But encouragement is also not empty praise. So what it means here is that if you just go up to someone and you tell them what you could say to any other being on the planet at that moment, that, that's what he's calling empty phrase, empty praise. And one of the phrases we use a lot, I use it way too much. I became so aware of this first service, how many times I use this word, is that we say to people, you're so awesome. You're so awesome. We use that word to try to say something that means that they're special in some way. And so I just think it's great. It's really good. I'm not saying don't do this, okay? So I'm not saying never, ever, ever use empty praise with someone again or tell someone they're awesome or wonderful in some way. I'm glad I receive it. But those positive affirmations, as wonderful as they are in the moment, cannot sustain a person through the difficulties and the hard times of life. So when someone high fives me and tells me that I'm awesome, I do. I get an, a temporary emotional boost. The endorphins are raised at that moment. I really like that. But when I need encouragement, when I need encouragement most for me just to stand there and go, I'm awesome, I'm awesome, I'm awesome, I'm awesome. Well, that doesn't help. That doesn't encourage me at all. It's not enough to carry me through the tough times of life. Uh, once again, don't get me wrong. We want to be encouraging to people wherever we go and whatever we can say to them. We need this general type of encouragement. That's what I'd say that is. And I think every one of us needs to think about that and how we can be more encouraging wherever we go in life. But here's what I believe, and here's really the crux of my message today. Here's what I believe. I believe that when we make a spiritual deposit, spiritual deposit in someone's life, when we give them what we're going to talk about today, biblical encouragement, that it not only takes their life to a whole new level, and not only helps them to be able to face the difficulties of life, and not only gives them confidence, but it also does the same for us. Because I'm speaking words, I'm giving expressions, I'm activating something in me that's bringing up Holy Spirit's work in me. And as that comes out, you're, encu you're encouraged, but I'm encouraged too because I'm reminded of the truth of what God says. So that's how encouragement works. When we love one another, when we spur one another on, we encourage one another out of the riches of what we know about God's love, what that does is someone else is receiving encouragement, but we are as well because we are engaging this encouragement flow inside of us that comes from God and the Holy Spirit. When we realize that God wants to extend his grace through us and we let him use us to do that, that's when we're going to take on a whole new perspective about this idea of encouraging people. Okay, so let's, what does the Bible say? Let's go right to the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about encouragement? And the word for encouragement in the Bible is a Greek word, and it's parakaleo. So you notice your notes there above the four blanks. It says parakaleo. 
that's a Greek word. The New Testament was written in Greek. And so you look at that, and the para, the first part means to come alongside, and kaleo means to call out. So to come alongside, to call out. So that's what encouragement is. I come alongside of you so I can call this out of you, the thing I see in you that's going to be able to lift you up, going to be able to build you up, going to be able to encourage you in some way. Some of you are already thinking, well, that's a lot like the word for the Holy Spirit, paraclete. And it is. And so Jesus, he says that you will receive another comforter, and it'll be the paraclete who will come, and he will speak for you things that you do not yet know, and then he will offer these things of encouragement to you. So similarly, as the paraclete, as the Holy Spirit works in us, he's called us to bring his spirit into the world, to bring his spirit into the world that others are influenced by him in some way. So a Parakaleo, that's you and me, what we're called to do, is someone who comes alongside and helps someone see something they don't understand, they don't believe, or can't see. And we call it out of them so that they can see it and they can embrace it, and that encourages him. Now, there are several ways that the word parakaleo is used in the New Testament. This is where you want to write down, because this is going to be where you have to really get some focus later on this week. And it means these four things. It means to come alongside and extend compassion. So that's the first thing, extend compassion or comfort. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says that God is the God of all comfort, and that we should comfort, parakaleo, those with the same comfort that we've ourselves received. So when encouragement is given in love, and it's received in humility, so just going to know this, given in love, received in humility, so every one of these, that's what we're going to talk about, then comfort will be the result. People who need comfort will receive that. Secondly, it means to come alongside and instill courage, instill courage. That's what the word encourage means, to bring courage into someone, to bring courage out of someone. So when encouragement is given in love and is received in humility, greater courage will be the result. Number three, it means to come alongside one another and inspire confidence or hope. To come along and inspire confidence and hope. So when encouragement is given in love and it's received in humility, there's a possibility then that someone will rise in their confidence and that they can do these things with God's power and hope in what he's going to do in their future. And then lastly, it means to come alongside one another and influence change. Influence change. And the way we influence change is that we exhort or build others up. So we exhort, admonish, or build others up in some way. So then when courage is given, it's extended in love, and it's received in humility, then the result can be life change. So you look about this, at this list, and you just know that when we're called to be encouragers, what we're called to do is be people who extend compassion, instill courage, inspire confidence, and then that we also influence change. So you think about that in your world. You think about the ways that you typically encourage people, and we're going to talk about this more as we go through this, but these are their action steps. These are the ways that you can look at and say, if I'm really going to be a spiritual, biblical encourager, I need to make sure I'm doing more than just telling everybody they're awesome. It goes to a deeper level, and we're going to talk about how we do that and why that's so important. So the first is this. If I'm going to become an encourager, we must learn to receive encouragement from God. So as I go through this today, uh, I just want to mention that I'm going to talk about some skills, and we're going to talk about some ideals. And so when we talk about encouragement, 
It means learning, but it means more than learning. It means I have to practice. So I have to practice the skills in order to get better at the art of encouragement. Just like if you're a piano, you want to take piano, you have to practice your piano. You know, you harp on your kids to practice their piano so that they can learn the skill of piano playing. It's like, you know, if I ever wanted to play in the U.S. Open, for instance, I would have to, which is, a, you know, not, a, never happened. But okay, so um, I have to play golf first, so that's one of the things. Uh, but if I were going to do that, I would have to practice my swing and my putt and everything in order to get good enough to play in the U.S. Open. Well, that's the same way with encouragement. We have to learn it, but we have to practice it in order to get better. Here's why. We cannot give, we cannot give what we have not received. This is so important, folks. We cannot give what we have not received. So I'm going to give you some context before a verse, before we read it. We're going to read a verse from 1 Samuel 30. And so here's the context. So David and his men were out, and they were out doing battles, and they were fighting the, the enemy forces. And so what happened is, is that one of their enemies, the Amalekites, knew that they were gone from their village, and that this would be a great time for them to sneak in from the backside. And so they raided the village of David and his men while they were out, and they looted uh, and burned the village to the ground, and they took their possessions, and they took their inhabitants. They took their people. So these men come home after a battle, and they're expecting to find, when they come home, they're expecting to find their wives are there, their children are there, their homes are being placed, their possessions are there, but none of that was there. It had all been burned to the ground, and all their children and wives were gone. It was devastating to them. Devastating. Now, I didn't put this verse in your notes, but you might want to write down 1 Samuel 34, 30 verse 4, because this is what it says. It says that David and his men wept aloud until they had no more strength to weep. That's grief. They needed encouragement. Now, David was the leader, so he's got his own grief. He's got his own sadness. He's got all the things that are going on in his life as well, what his loss is, but he also is carrying now the responsibility for the grief of his men as well. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. So it was getting pretty bleak. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Would you underline that? He found strength where? In the Lord his God. He found strength in the living God. He found strength in the God he knew. He found strength in the God that he would be able to sing, you're a good, good father. He knew God intimately. How did David know God intimately? Well, he had done the spiritual work to establish an intimacy between he and God that was so strong at this point that he knew that there was only one source of hope for him, and that was to turn to God for the strength he needed. He knew God, and he knew out of that relationship with God and God's faithfulness in the past and God's presence in the past and God's work in the past. He knew all that. And out of that relationship where he had established an intimacy with his heavenly father, he was able to, at this point, open himself up, just as I saw some people do and we said, Lord, I need you. He opened himself up and he says, God, I need your strength. I need your encouragement, God. And folks... That's what each one of us has to do. 
If we're going to be the spiritual, biblical encourager that the Bible calls us to, to one another, you and I have to first establish a personal relationship with God. We have to learn what it's like to be encouraged by God. Because as we're encouraged by God, then we have something to give out, to give to others. Because you can't give what you haven't experienced. Let me say it another way. If your well is dry, you won't have water to share with others when they have thirst that need quenched. So if your well is dry, you won't have water to give others when their thirst needs quenched. If you aren't filled with God's encouragement for you, you won't have what you need to encourage others. So David knew how to encourage himself. David sang songs to God, wrote songs and poetry to God. I'm not saying that you have to do that, but you can sing songs that are written by others. David knew about writing down what God had said to him. In fact, we look at you know, the Psalms and see all the things that David knew and about God and his relationship. He followed him. David knew God because he had done the work. This is where some of us, we just, get, we just want God to zap us sometimes with all this you know, intimacy with him. But it takes effort, just like it does any relationship, to know him. He had done the work to have intimate, a intimate relationship with God that encourages. And so as we learn... To walk intimately, if we learn to walk closely with Jesus, his presence can always be a source of encouragement that we can draw on no matter what we face. And that's what happened with David. So let me talk to you now about the primary way that we can get to know God. The primary way we can receive encouragement from God. And it's through God's word as written to us in the pages of this book. Primary way that I can know God and I can get encouragement from God is to read, embrace, trust, love, test, walk with the God of this book. Get to know him. That's why we say every week, if you don't own a Bible, we want to give you a Bible because we want you to be able to open it up yourself and have God speak to you. Through the Holy Spirit who wants to come alongside of you and encourage you, that he wants to speak to you through the pages of this book. So let's look at Romans 15, because that's what it talks about. Romans 15 says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So all this written about God up until now, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide. So here we go. We get encouragement where? From the scriptures they provide. We might have hope or encouragement. May the God who gives endurance and gives encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So the Bible is the key source of encouragement for us. In the pages of this book, you're going to find words that uh, would help you to understand when you go through moments of doubt, when you go through fears, when you go through failure, when you go through discouragement, when you go through disappointments, when you go through uncertainties, when you go through struggles, when you go through griefs, when you go through sorrows, when you're like Matthew and you're sitting in a room and you are at the edge, you're at the end of yourself and you open up the Bible and God speaks to you through Proverbs and God says in Proverbs, if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to know chaos and you're going to know misery, but if you go my way, you're going to know blessing. That's the encouragement of this book when we open it and then we trust that God is speaking to us through this. So I just say, whatever season of life you're in, God has something to say to you through the pages of this book. He has something to say to you. We know him by knowing his word and we experience him by knowing his word. And we're encouraged when we've learned to know him intimately through what this book says. 
Not through what a blog says, not through what a podcast says, not through my little group think says, but what this book says. That's how we know God. And he's revealed himself to us because he wants us to know him because in knowing him, we can be encouraged. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis from Mere Christianity. And just reading this quote makes me want to dump, jump into this book again. But here's what C.S. says. He says, God cannot give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. He cannot give us, not will not, cannot give us Peace and happiness apart from himself because there's no other thing. We are encouraged when we know God. And God comes along with us mainly through the presence of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us through his word. So I just want to share something that's happened with me. Is about, I don't know, 10 weeks ago now, because I have 10 cards here. I, I go to my mailbox and there's a card with my name on it. And uh, no return address, but it has a stamp for Sacramento. So somehow it went through the Sacramento mailing system. And so I opened up the card, and let's just say this is the first one. And the first one says, Dear Ron, praying for you, exclamation point, smiley face. In other words, you're awesome. So and it says this, <laughs> because it goes further than that. It says, you, it has scripture next, Psalm 119, 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. My hope is in your word. And it's signed anonymous. I have no idea. Next, dear, dear Ron, Isaiah 58, 11, The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing stream. Anonymous. And folks, every one of these comes. I've got 10 so far. And I'm starting to look forward to them. I'm kind of timing what day of the week that they're going to be there so I can be at the mailbox to make sure that I get it to see what God said to another person that Ron Thompson needed to hear so he could be encouraged. I didn't even know I needed this. But when it showed up, I did. And I was able to receive it as God's word to me because someone else chose to encourage me with his word. Now I'm going to have to skip, you know, backside of your notes, I'm going to skip these next verses. We just don't have time for that today. You want to get to hot dogs and cars. And so we're going to move all the way to the second idea. And here we go. If we're going to become encouragers, we must learn to express encouragement to others. First, we have to learn to receive encouragement from God, and that's through his word. Now I have to learn to express encouragement to others. And as you just saw, that's also through his word as it was just given there. So here's what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Underline the word words. Okay, so this means two things here. In context, and this, we'll get to this when we go through 1 Thessalonians, which I'm so excited about. So when we get this in context, Paul has been talking about how they should live in the time between Jesus' ascension and his second coming... And he's talking about what happens to those who died. And he says, here we go. I'm going to talk to you about And we're going to talk about this in the series. And he says, now, encourage everyone else with the words that I have here. So another, encourage everyone with God's word. Encourage everyone with God's word. And so what it means there is it says, I encourage others with the word spoken by God to me. So I encourage others with the word spoken to God by me. And the second one is this. The words mean, the word means to encourage one another with the words spoken to me by others. 
So I'm encouraging people with the word spoken to me by God, and I'm encouraging people with the word spoken to me by others. That's how we do this. And so that's why Ephesians 4 is so powerful here. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Some of you need to put that on your computer screen. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that may benefit those who listen. So I know that this is embarrassing for her, um, but I just need to talk to you for a minute. And I'll let you know, first of all, I'm married to the queen of encouragement. Okay, just want you to know that I'm married to the queen of encouragement. I tease her occasionally, and you know that, by saying that it's tough to live with the Holy Spirit, you know. (laughs) But meaning, what I mean by that is that she has a way of speaking to me that seems as if it came right from the heart of God, right from God's heart. But the biggest reason I say that she's like the Holy Spirit is that she parakaleos me. We go back to the list of four things. That's exactly what she does in my life. The four things that we mentioned. She calls out the best in me when I'm not believing the best about myself. She comforts me by offering empathy when I need a listening ear. She instills courage in me by her passionate belief that God's word is written for us. What it has to say is for us, that God can do what he says he can do. She inspires confidence in me by consistently building me up and believing in me. Overall, she influences change in me by her constant desire to become all she can be for Christ herself. As I watch her in that, she inspires me. She does what Hebrews 10 says we're all to do, and it says this. It says, let us consider, underline that, consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Is the day approaching? It looks like it. It looks like it. And so it's more urgent than ever that we be encouragers and that we consider how to do it. So that word consider is very important there. It's important that I learn how to express encouragement to others. It's a command that requires effort. It's not going to be easy. This is not going to be like you know grade school, kindergarten work. This is graduate level stuff that we're talking about today. And we need to know what it is that will encourage others. So just one more thing about Kimberly. See, a big part of my job and calling, a big part of it, is that I get to speak and I get to lead. I get to speak and I get to lead. Both of which I feel so inadequate to do. Both. And over the years since we've been married, Kimberly knows this about me, and she's learned that when I speak or when I lead, that she pays attention and she will remember something I did as I led or did as I spoke or said as I led or said as I spoke, that stood out to her, that was a word to God from her, she'll remember that. And then the first thing she does when she sees me and she points it out, she draws my attention to it. She fills my sails. She does what Jim Stovall says. He's a weightlifter and a speaker. And he says this, he says, You need to beware of what others are doing. Applaud their efforts, acknowledge their successes, and encourage them in their pursuits. When we all help one another, everybody wins. 
Isn't that great? We all help one another. Everybody wins. Not just the one who's being encouraged, because when that person is encouraged, they have now more in their well. So somebody else comes along, they have something in their well to give them, because someone else encouraged them and gave to them in some way. Everybody wins. We live in a self-serving, self-centered, selfie-obsessed world. Most people are either wonder, they're, they're willing to tell you how wonderful they are or how terrible you are. That's kind of the culture we live in right now. How wonderful I am, look at me, or how terrible you are, look at you. And we want to change that. We want to change that, and we want to differentiate ourselves from the clutter of the world around us. By We want to be people-oriented. We want to focus on building others up. The one receiving encouragement wins. The one giving encouragement wins. We both when. Now, an example from the Bible, I just want to take a few minutes here and talk about a guy named Joseph. There's a guy named Joseph in the Bible. It talks about him in Acts chapter 4. It says in Acts chapter 4 that Joseph sold some property, and he took the um, proceeds from that property, and he gave it to the expanding church so he could meet the needs. We learn later that Joseph, because he encouraged people so much that he earned a nickname because of this, and his nickname is Barnabas. Barnabas. So Joseph now has the nickname Barnabas, and he's called Barnabas throughout the rest of Acts. Barnabas means the son of encouragement. So that became his nickname for the rest of his life and for all of time that he was the son of encouragement. And every time he's mentioned in Acts, you just read right there and you find that he's being encouraging to someone in a moment. In Acts chapter 9, Paul has come back from his three years in the desert after he'd had his encounter with Jesus Christ and that he had been called by Jesus to be his ambassador in the world, his missionary to the world. And Barnabas comes along, Paul, and says, this, I, I stand for this guy. I stand for this guy, and he is who he says he is, and he's a, an apostle, and we need to follow him and trust him. He encouraged him. In Acts 11, it says that Paul, Barnabas visited churches that he was sent to, and when he went to those churches, it says that they were encouraged so much that because he was there, that the churches just exploded in growth because it became even more encouraging as he was there. In Acts 13 and 15, it says that he was chosen by God to be a spokesperson for God to protect the gospel message because he was such a man of encouragement. In Acts 15, it says that he, at one point, he chose to stand up against Paul because John Mark had failed, and he came along beside John Mark as an encourager and says, I'm going to stand beside this guy, Paul. You're wrong. He did that. Wouldn't it be awesome? I was just thinking about this when I was writing my talk. Wouldn't it be awesome? Is when people saw you coming, if their first thought was, here comes Mr. Encourager. Here comes Mrs. Encourager. Here comes the one who encourages me. Wouldn't it be awesome if that happened? So how do we do that? How do we become encouragers or build others up? Where does it start? Well, look at this last verse, Hebrews 3.13. Writer of Hebrews is saying this, but encourage one another daily, underline that daily, as long as it is called today, and just let it be a good question, today means what? It means today, so as long as it's called today that you should do this, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, it tells you what the, the value of encouragement here, and so 
What I believe that the value of encouragement is, according to this verse, is that sin is deceitful. Matthew talked about this in his story. He talked about the lure of drugs. He talked about the lure of pornography. He talked about the lure of addiction and how he was pulled into that. And sin promises you a sense of fulfillment today, but where it's leading to you to is a place of destruction tomorrow. And folks, we have a church full of people who are being exposed to the same sin because sin is a force, not a thing. We're being exposed to the same message that we should look somewhere else for our fulfillment. We should look somewhere else for our happiness. We should look somewhere else for our worth. We should look somewhere else for our success. We should look somewhere else always with the promise that if you do, you'll have fulfillment. But what it doesn't tell you is, is the dark side, the underbelly, is the destruction of your heart, the destruction of your life and all you hold dear. And he says, because of that, today, come alongside each other. Come alongside of each other. Call each other out. Help each other to be encouraged in the way that you can. So I just want to ask this, wrapping up, who is it that you are encouraging? Who is it that you are encouraging? See, folks, I just want to say this. If you think you're encouraging people, but they don't know it, you're probably not. <laughs> they can't read your mind. They can't read your mind. They can only see your actions and hear your words. They can only see your actions and hear your words. So I just want to say today, maybe your encouragement begins with your dad. Maybe if your dad is living, you can write or call your dad. And you can tell your dad something like this. Dad, I don't know if I ever told you this, but here's one way you impacted my life. Here's one way you influenced my life, and I want to say thank you. Maybe you take a risk even and say, Dad, I love you. If your dad's not living, you can actually write that out. You'd be surprised how valuable it is to your soul to write out your prayers, even prayers like that. Then expand out from there and say, who in my world needs to have encouragement? And now I'm going to start making a list, and I'm going to say, who in my world needs encouragement? And I'm going to make every day a moment where I encourage one person. Now, for me, that's going to mean, you're, some of you may not like this, but I'm going to have to calendar that. I'm going to put it on my calendar. And I'm going to have to just list encourage. And that means I'm going to send a text, I'm going to send an email, I'm going to write a card, or I'm going to make a phone call in some way, I'm going to encourage a person every day. And that I'm going to look for ways that I can speak God's truth. Like Usually it means I'm going to send a Bible verse in some way. And that they're going to be able to receive that. And so that's one way that we can do that. Just who needs to be encouraged by you? Who needs to be encouraged by you? Let us make encouragement a habit. Let us make encouragement a habit. Let us encourage one another. Because we've been encouraged by God and because God wants to use us to encourage them. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together for a moment. Father, I, I'm so grateful for this message. Personally, what it's done in me, just, just starting to work on it and how it's caused me to be more cognizant of the people around me, more aware of my own self-centeredness, uh, more... Uh, desiring to want to be able to share you with others. And so, God, I pray that you would help each of us today as we come to this place. Who is it that you've called us to encourage? 
Who is it we know who may be desperate? We may not even know it. So we need to listen to your Holy Spirit here. Who would you guide us that needs encouragement? And would you show us, God, from your word, how we could offer up words that would encourage them, that would strengthen them? God, would you help us to... I'm just thinking about when it says that Barnabas went to the churches and he encouraged them and the churches exploded with numbers because you just can't keep people away when they know they're going to be encouraged. I just pray that that would be true for our church. That we'd be so encouraging that people would just be beating down the doors because they want to know that they're loved. They want to know that there's a God who cares. So God, I thank you for Jesus Christ and I thank you that because of him that we can know you and I pray now that you would help each of us in our walk with you, that we would grow in our intimacy with you, that we would know you more, that our tanks would be filled, our well would be filled so that we can give out what we've received. And God, now I pray that you would help each of us who are receiving encouragement, that for all those four phrases I said, received with humility. Would you help us to be receivers? Some of us aren't good at that. Help us to be receivers when someone wants to show us love by encouraging us, God, that we can build each other up. We thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.